Welcome to Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. My name's Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at Oak Ridge, and we are so excited to have you join us today. So grab your Bible and then your iPad, a notebook, pens, pencils, whatever it is that will help you get the most out of today's sermon, and please enjoy our Sunday message. Thank you, Andrew, and good morning, Oak Ridge. Uh, I'm very blessed to be here for a couple of reasons. One, I woke up this morning, and that's, that's good. That's good, in, by his will and in his way. And uh, two, I heard a great missions report. I mean, that was incredible, uh, the work that's happening in and through. And to hear uh, this church's mission uh, and heart uh, for missions is really inspiring. And I'm uh, excited to be here for that reason as well. Uh, thank you, Jim, for the kind introduction, and uh, Brian for leading us in, in communion, and uh, Andrew and, and the worship team. Really thankful, really thankful to be here. Let me pray, and uh, let's, let's, let's uh, bow together. Father in heaven, it is just an incredible opportunity that we have this day to both glorify you, God, as we look to your word, look to your scripture, and, and to hear what you're saying. God, we're just so thankful that you've given us your word. We're more thankful that you've died on the cross for us, God, that you've been raised again on the third day, that, Father, through faith in you, God, um, we can come to know faith in you. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for that promise. God, thank you for this day. We just pray and commit this service to you, God. May you speak to us, Father God, through your spirit. May you open our eyes. May you open our ears. May you open our hearts to receive you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Some of you may be familiar with an evangelist. He was a pretty famous and a pretty popular evangelist. Anyone guess who it might be? Uh, his name was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was uh, active in ministry in the 1850s and in the 1860s quite a while ago. Was anybody around? Just kidding. <laughs> uh, 1860s, you know, and, and, and pastor and evangelist uh, Dwight L. Moody uh, was very... Uh, very uh, significantly invested in missions. Particularly, he has invested in children's ministry and in missions in and around the Chicago region. In fact, back then, there was poverty was very prevalent then and um, still is today in, in some areas. But uh, Moody really was moved by God's heart for those less fortunate, for children and specifically, and his, his Sunday school ministry was called Mission Sunday School, and his desire was to reach not only children, but the youth of the city, those that didn't know Christ, and as an evangelist, that would be his focus, and uh, hoping and praying and working hard that all would come to know Jesus Christ personally. And so he focused on those that had little to no education, uh, less than ideal family situations. You can only imagine what life would have been like then. But, but Moody did a, a really, a, a very good job focusing in on uh, children and, uh, and ministry. And as that grew, you know, you can only imagine they converted the old saloon that used to be, that they used to meet in, used to, used to meet in an old saloon, which became the, the Sunday school room, and that's where all the program uh, continued, and uh, back then it was called the Illinois Street Church, Illinois Street Church, which eventually became known as the Moody Church, which eventually became known as the D.L. Moody Bible Institute, or the Moody Bible Institute, as many of us have today, but, but Moody said this, he had a famous quote, 
And he said this. It's on the screen. He said this. Why would he say this? He said, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. My entire ministry to reaching children for God. Now, Oak Ridge, I think you already got a pretty good sense of that around here, why he might say something like that. When, when you couple the opportunity of children and you couple ministry and mission and the purpose, you can sort of see how they fit together. So why did D.L. say this? Why was this so important to him? And why did he spend all of his time on children. Well, we're going to look in Mark chapter 10 this morning. If you have your Bibles, we want to open up into to Mark chapter 10 and have a look there directly on what the scriptures are saying. Uh, but, you know, D.L. Dwight had a, a real evangelistic heart. You know, he really wanted to share about Jesus. He, he recognized the responsibility to care for those in need and in and around his immediate area. And, uh, you know, hearing the missions report, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about missions today more from a global perspective, but it's not just global, it's also local, and it's also national, and it's also intercontinental, and it also includes Florida, and uh, and so that's a part of it as well, and uh, and that is so, so important. DL was responding to needs, and you know, there's a, there's a, a theme in scripture, and you're going to see that today, there's a theme in scripture about children. And they're important to, to the Bible. They're important to Jesus. And let's read why. Let's read why. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Starting in verse 13. Let's take a look here and see what it says. Verse 13, this is, it says this. People were bringing children, uh, little children to him, to Jesus, in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when, they, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant towards the disciples. He said this. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his word. Truly, I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God as children will never enter it. Well, that's a big statement. You know, I'm not sure how you're feeling about that. That's a pretty big statement. What does he mean by that? What, what do children have that we don't have as adults? What do children have that we don't have? Well, for a couple of things, children have this, this openness. You ever notice how trusting children are? They don't second guess that you're going to, you know, uh, that you're going to tell them a lie or you're going to dupe them or you're going to, you know, not do something that you say. Children have an openness and a receptivity to Christ, to faith, and they believe whatever you're telling them. And Jesus is sort of setting up for us the posture that he would have us in hearing about faith and believing and trusting in him. In fact, what's the one thing that children love more than anything? More than anything. Getting a gift? Eh? Right? Is that not like birthday, uh, Christmas, right? You know, gifts, gifts. Children love getting gifts. Well, God wants us to receive his gift the way children receive gifts. 
receiving him and believing and trusting in him. And that's, that's what D.L. caught. You know, I can just see the big smile on D.L. Moody's face as, as he would look out and, and see all the little children and recognize that he was with intentionality focusing on ministering to them. In fact, that's not the only scripture about children. In fact, there's 86 uh, verses uh, specifically where Jesus talks about loving the little children and caring for them and, and, and bringing them to him. Um, in fact, there's even 450 times uh, in the broader context of Scripture where children are mentioned. And they're not just something to be noted, uh, not just something to be acknowledged, but something to be studied and applied. You know, if, if children mean that much uh, to Jesus, they also mean that much they ought to mean that much to us, to you and I. And, and I, again, think that you're getting that sense around here. Um, you know, Oak Ridge, I think uh, something that, that, that can come out of this that we can see in recognizing um, that for us, you know, around the world, just recognizing that those uh, around the world globally living in poverty in the lower income countries, uh, we, we are aware of them, we see them, uh, and we know that poverty is all too real around the world. But, but I have hope this morning. I have hope this morning. Did you know there is a hope uh, greater than poverty? There's a hope more powerful than poverty. Any guesses what that hope might be? That hope is the person of Jesus Christ, and he is over all. You see, it begins with Jesus, it ends with Jesus, and in the middle, guess who's in the middle? You and I. You and I get to fill in uh, uh, in sharing the person of Jesus Christ and his message, but also living life out in caring for those he, he's entrusted to us, caring for and investing in children like D.L. Moody did and recognizing that a life changed for Christ can make a, long, a big difference over the long haul. Teach a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. Remember that one? Remember that one? I mean, that doesn't mean that all of us have come to faith um, as a child. No, I mean, we, we just heard that testimony of that young woman, the stewardess, who accepted Christ. That was amazing. Right? She, she's, but, but, but Scripture overarching is saying, if we can invest in children, in youth, in young adults, that they can make a difference for this world and for Christ I want to introduce you today to a child, a little boy named Malukin. Malukin's from Ethiopia. This is the picture of him on the screen. It's, that's the first day that I saw Malukin. You see, he's from Ethiopia. And uh, this was, picture was taken uh, 20 years ago. And that's when I first met Malukin. It was at a church service just like this. I was, uh, I was at a church and I went out and, and a volunteer was talking about children living in poverty. And, and uh, Andrea had just come back from the Dominican Republic. And uh, she was talking about this ministry and this mi on mission uh, called Compassion uh, for children living in poverty around the world. And, and I was piqued. My interest was piqued. I, was, I wanted to know more about it. What was this all about I was just drawn to what they were doing, how they were so Christ-centered and child-focused and church-based and church-driven. And I thought, what is this all about? Well, as I was sitting there looking at all the children and before I had selected Malukin that day, I was just standing back kind of praying, looking at the needs. And the scripture that came to my mind 
was Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan parable. And we're going to look at that now. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And we're going to read and dive into this scripture a little more significantly and, and understand it and understand what's really going on here. You've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, starting in 25 to 37. 25 to 37. 25 says this, follow along with me. Uh, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, test Jesus, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now I'm just going to pause there for a minute. An expert in the law. Some of your translations might say, Um, a lawyer stood up. Some of them say a lawyer. Not a lawyer in the context of what we think of a lawyer who does your real estate transactions or is a criminal defense lawyer or maybe a crown prosecutor. Not that kind of lawyer, but actually a person who was a professional, almost a a Pharisee who knew the scriptures very well, an expert in the law in the Old Testament. That's who he's referring to. Jesus said to him in verse 26, what is written in the law, he asked him, how do you read it? The expert in the law replied and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, this expert in the law knew, uh, especially the law, that scripture, as you and I know it, as the great commandment, typically comes from Matthew But it didn't come from Matthew. It came from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, which we're going to look at in a little bit. So that, you back then, okay, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, verse 28, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, but then who is my neighbor? And here is the Good Samaritan parable story. In verse 30, Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, he too saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey came upon him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. You can guess why this is my favorite verse. He went over to him, and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil, olive oil and wine. He put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which three of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him to go and do the same, or in some translations, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Well, very interesting. You know, sounds pretty simple. Just go and do likewise. Got it? Good? I can go home. Good? Got it? Well, some say, yes, Dean, uh, going and doing likewise and living out this scripture, no, I can do that. Others say, ah, what do you mean? I'm not so sure. What, that, what does that look like? 
What does it mean to do that? We, we, we don't have the, the, the Jericho Road here from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know, we don't have those types of scenarios. Um, those kinds of things don't happen around here. One thing I do know is that it can be a little more complex, a little more complicated at times to discern a need and to live that out. But I do know this, for you and I, there's something inherent in you and I as a Christ follower that would have us respond to needs, whatever the need. Jesus is giving this example to the expert in the law, kind of wanting to justify himself for eternal life. And, and really what he's saying here um, is that you need to be in a posture of opening up your opportunities to extend a hand and provide to someone in need, to a neighbor in need, as we saw, as we saw there. I don't think I need to convince anyone today here. I think you would all easily agree that the scriptures have a lot to say about helping someone in need. In fact, that's why you exist as a church. And I think even for you, Oak Ridge, even for you, uh, this is important. There's three things about you, Oak Ridge. I'm sure you know this, but I want to share these three things with you about you. The first thing is you love to exalt God, exalt our God, right? That, that's a key thing. Uh, you want to equip the saints, right? Ephesians, you want to equip the saints. And number three, you want to evangelize the lost. You want to evangelize the lost. That's key, critical for you, for you around here, Oak Ridge. And I think that's key, critical, no matter where you are. And I certainly know that that was key, critical for D.L. Moody back in his day in Chicago in 1864 when he was alive and he was living. And he was what? Loving God and loving his neighbor. And that's what you're doing, loving God and loving your neighbor. Out of Luke 10, uh, out of the Good Samaritan parable, there's three points I really want to draw on. And I want, if you're a note taker, uh, or if you're watching uh, online and, and catching this later, there's, to take out a pad of paper, there's three points that I want to draw out of this scripture that I want to share with you. Go and do likewise. The first word there is go. Go is an action word. Would you agree, right? Go is not, a, not, not go and sit, but go and go. <laughs> uh, uh, go is an, it, it, it's certainly an action word. It's, it's not just head knowledge, but it's the application of that knowledge into action. That application of that knowledge. You know, we, you have adult Sunday school here, you know, just before the service, 9.30 to 10.30. That's a plug for Jim. So, um, you attend that. If you haven't been, please come on out. That's really important. It's, it's, it's understand. Get the knowledge. Get it into your head. Do you know where in your head it goes? It goes into the back of your head. This is clinical now. The back of your head is where head knowledge is learned and stored. Any medical people will attest to this. The front part of your brain is where you act on and do. So back here you learn and up here you go. Isn't it interesting that back here you learn and then up here you go? I thought that was great. I thought that was great. During Jesus' time on earth, earth on this earth, the, the short three years that he had with us, did you know that Jesus had the largest feeding program the world had ever seen? Not just once, but at least twice, probably many more times. 
You see, remember, some of you will remember, remember the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14? He fed 5,000 men, that it was, and then women and children. It was much larger than that. And then the very next chapter in Matthew 15, this scripture doesn't get as much press as uh, Matthew 14 does, right? With the feeding of the 5,000, with the loaves and fish. But then the very next chapter, again, it happens. He feeds 4,000 in Matthew 14, 15. But is that why Jesus came to feed people? Hmm. Why did he feed people? Why did he feed them physical food? Well, he fed them physical food because they were hungry. Straight up, they were hungry. But number two, Jesus was living out Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor. They were hungry and he loved them. I mean, he provided for their physical needs, and he came, why? We all, we all know this. He came to, to reveal who he is, the Son of God, and that salvation alone comes through him. So loving God and loving your neighbor, it's this great intersection. I love this intersection. I love having accidents in this intersection. And Anybody love having accidents in an intersection? Probably not. I'm probably on my own on this but you're going to love this one. It's the, it's the intersection of proclamation and demonstration. Proclamation, the telling, and the demonstration of the doing. I love, I always want to be in that intersection, right in that. So what does go look like for you and for me? That's the first point, go. Nothing happens unless we go. Well, for you around here, Oak Ridge, I think you're already on that track. You understand what it means to go. You equip. Um, it's, it, we just heard a, the missions report um, from Florida. So good, so good, so important. But we don't want to miss out. We want to always have our eyes and ears attentive to what the Lord is saying. He gives us the Good Samaritan example so that we can be equipped to go and love him and love our neighbor. The second thing, point number two I want to share with you is that living out our faith out of this parable example includes a stewardship component. There's a responsibility that Christ gives us. In fact, he gives us everything. It's more a matter of what do we do with what he gives us. Well, the good Samaritan that day, he reached into his pocket like I am and he pulled out what? Two denarii. I have two denarii in my hand here. I know you want to see it. You got to come and see me after. They're not denarii. They're Ecuadorian centavos is actually what they are. 50 cent pieces from Ecuador. So how much is one denarii? Two denarii. Remember that the, he pulled out of his pocket, right? The good Samaritan gave it to the innkeeper. How much is one denarii? Any idea how much one denarii is? It's a full day's wage. One, so two, two denarii, two full days' wages. He took out of his pocket that day, gave to the innkeeper two full days' wage to care for this man that he found, this stranger that he found and, and who was beat up. And he said, I'll be back to pay you any extra that you spend on him. Stewardship is not just about finances, although it includes finances. Stewardship is about our time, about our talents, about our giftings. We all have spiritual gifts. God wants us living out our spiritual gifts, but he also wants our finances. 
And what we do with that is so, so important. The Good Samaritan, as he was coming walking along uh, the road that day, um, I'm sure he was minding his own business. You know, he, he wasn't planning to run into a man beaten up on the side of the road. Uh, I'm sure he had things to do and a, and a place to go. As a matter of fact, he was coming down a very dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. In fact, it's got a nickname. You may have heard about the Bloody Pass. It's called the Bloody Pass because it was a great spot for robbers and for people to, to hide in amongst around the mountains and some of the trees and actually beat up people, steal and take you know, what they had. And people often got beat up. And that's why it's called the Bloody Pass. Living out our faith includes interruptions. That's the third point. Living out our faith every day includes interruptions. The Good Samaritan wasn't planning to be interrupted that day. And that first day that I met Malukin, remember Malukin from Ethiopia? That first day that I met him, I wasn't planning to meet him that day. But there was an opportunity, there was an interruption in my life in that in that moment. But, but isn't it funny? Isn't that the point? You know, uh, we, we pray, we say, Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, show me. Lord, we want to be obedient. God, we want to live out our faith. We want to respond. We want to love you, and we want to care for those in need. And then what happens? He answers prayer, not in the way we always think or want. He creates a situation. It's an interruption. Well, Lord, don't you know that I'm speaking as the guest speaker at Oak Ridge this morning? Should I really stop and help this guy? It's just an example, metaphorically speaking. But things like that happen every day in life. We have a plan. We got to be there. We, we manage our clock more than we manage maybe the prompting of the Spirit. It's just something to think about. What, what if this? What if interruptions, write this down, what if interruptions are actually invitations? What if interruptions, and you start looking through the lens of, 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 of love and Christ, what if interruptions are really invitations? You know, for us at Compassion, loving God and loving your neighbor, living out the Good Samaritan parable is what we do, is what we do around the world in partnership with the frontline global local church. It's what we, what we do. Some of you may be familiar with Compassion's ministry, and you'd be like, yes, Dean, you know, high five. I, <laughs> I got you. I know you. It's good. Uh, and then, then there's the woman that came up to me and said, so who are you? What are you? What? Yeah, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just, just didn't know. Wasn't aware of Compassion. I had no idea. I'd never heard of us before. Well, this slide is for you and for maybe some others who aren't familiar. Three important distinctives. I just want to share with you three key distinctives you need to know about Compassion's mission and ministry for us globally around the world. We're Christ-centered, we're child-focused, and we're church-driven. Christ-centered because we value evangelism and discipleship. Everything we do is based scripturally and biblically around evangelism and discipleship. To go, therefore, and make disciples right? A response to the Great Commission. So key, so key. So Christ-centered in everything that we do. We're child-focused because we believe, like you, every individual is made in the image of God. We're all created purposefully for a, a plan and a mission, and that God, uh, yeah, has created all of us for a plan and a purpose in life. 
And so children are also the ones that are very influential. I don't know if you know that about children, but you can, you can almost get a child to do anything. Almost get a child. They'll, do, they'll listen to you. They'll believe, right? They'll, you know, absolutely. Children will listen to you. Well, most children. <laughs> Not all children. Uh, us too. I get it. I get it. I get it. What we want to do with children, not just little children, but children, youth, young adults, we want to foster them. We want to care for them. We want to teach them skills. We want them to get to know um, Lord Jesus, and we want to help them to develop the, the way that they should so that they can, in their own situations, overcome, overcome poverty. And church-driven, you know, um, we used to be something called church-based. Well, church-based is nice. It's great if you're church-based, but church-based didn't adequately explain what we do and how we operate. We are church-driven, meaning from the front line, churches around the world in 25 countries, as Compassion works in low-income countries, in developing countries around the world, uh, those frontline churches know what is needed to overcome poverty, to be equipped. And so we want to be listening and responding to their needs and, and, and creating programs and situations and resolve and providing opportunities to resolve situations there. And who else better than the church, you and I, to know, love, and care for, and protect children? Compassion is probably the world's largest child protection organization because we do that in every church. All 8,500 churches around the world in 25 countries, we have a very significant child protection policy and program that we care for and make sure in, in, in situations that you wouldn't even understand, you would understand, but you wouldn't believe, and that we care for them deeply. Well, just like you, you know your community, you know what's needed, you know what's best, and uh, you respond to and care for those in your need, uh, in need and around your neighborhood and creating ministries and opportunities. We do that too at Compassion. For us, it costs $47 a month to care for and register children into the local church, right? The cost is $47 to care for them from a health point of view, from a dental point of view, from an education point of view, from a spiritual point of view. Every child gets a Bible. Every, every child is assigned a mentor. Every child is... Uh, learns uh, through Sunday school what it means and who Jesus Christ is personally. They hear the gospel on a regular basis and so thankful for that. Well, for me, living out the Good Samaritan uh, really took shape that day that I sponsored Malukin. That day I sponsored Malukin. I saw the fulfillment of that for me in my life and my wife Sarah. And over the years, my wife and I got to watch Malukin grow up. We got to see him grow, and there's some pictures of him growing up. Every couple of years, Compassion will send you an update on your sponsored child uh, and, uh, you know, how, how are they doing and, and what's happening. Besides the regular correspondence that you're doing, you're writing them, and, and they're writing you back, and you're sharing with them. Um, they're going to tell you, and they, they provide an update. And, and Sarah and I just thought it was the greatest ever. And, and Sarah and I always had a dream ever have a dream? You ever pray for something? You ever want something? You say, Lord, you know, if it's possible, Lord, I'd love to jump on a plane and go to Ethiopia 
and visit with Malukin in person. You know, the years were going on. It had been 10 years, and then 11 years, and then 12 years, and then 13 years. And Sarah and I were praying. We're like, Lord, uh, if we could go to Ethiopia and meet Malukin in person, it's been just so incredible to see him grow and develop and disciple and become a Christ follower and, and live that. Wouldn't that be so, so great? Well, the problem is, is that Ethiopia is just not on your typical Sunday afternoon drive. Uh, and, you know, it's a little bit harder to get to. And so for us, uh, it was, okay, Lord, is there an opportunity? Maybe we can, you know, go to, something will happen. And, and, and the years went by, and the years went by, and uh, we knew that Malukin was going to be graduating soon. He was 17 turning 18, and then he was going to be 18 turning, and we knew that he was going to be graduating. You see, all this time, Malukin had always shared with us his dream. And his dream was to become an engineer. He wanted to become a civil engineer, and he wanted to continue on in school. Um, but I don't know if you know this, but for those living in poverty around the world, the opportunity to get an undergraduate degree is pretty slim. It doesn't, you know, they just don't have the funding and the money to be able to do that. And so he was very, hope, he was hoping and praying for that opportunity. Well, one final night, my wife and I sat down and we just said, okay, Lord, um, it doesn't seem like this trip's going to happen. We're just going to pray and, 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 you know, sort of like we pray for our own children, sort of commission them to the Lord, you know, send them off spiritually, that is, you know, in our minds. And, okay, Lord, you know, they're going to university. Oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> so that's what we did. We prayed and we said, okay, Lord, we, we commit Malukin to you, all the investment and all the time and all the letters and the correspondence and the writing and the photos, we're committing it to you, Lord, and that'll have to be enough. That'll have to be enough. And in your will and in your way, Lord, uh, uh, you'll, be, you'll be glorified and, and that'll have to be that. And okay, so we sort of closed the book on that. We thought, okay, let's look ahead to someone else. Well, that very next week, my wife Sarah got an email. And guess what that email said? It said, Sarah, you've been nominated and you've actually been selected as, uh, she, my wife uh, works for a large corporate company and, and they had, in, they had uh, nominated her to be a global citizen and they wanted her to go on a two-week missions trip to Kenya. And this email was, was confirming that she was actually going to go on a missions trip for two weeks to Kenya. And I said, well, that's fantastic, hon. I'm so happy. This is great. Uh, did you know that Ethiopia is right beside Kenya? What if, what, what, if, what if when you're done, I could fly down and meet you and maybe we could go see Malukin? Could that be a part? Well, we, we checked it out. We called Compassion. Yes, we can do it. We called her company. Hey, at the end, can, can she stay and I'll fly and we'll get our own way home? And yeah, absolutely. So, so we were super excited. This, this, this 15 years of watching Malukin grow, uh, not yet, uh, watching Malukin grow uh, was so exciting, and we were actually going to go and meet him. We were going to be able to go and spend time with him. And so we're getting packed. We went to, you know, you go to Dollarama, you grab the backpack, you fill it full of stuff, right? Missions trips, right? Remember that? You get everything you need and all that. It's great. And then two weeks before the trip, we get a call from Compassion Ethiopia, and they say, we have good news and bad news. The bad news is when you get there, Malukin won't be there. The good news is because he's been accepted into university 
And he's, we're going to fly him to Dredewa University. And we've made arrangements for you to meet him there on campus. And you're going to spend the day on campus. It was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> it was a great day. We, so that, that happened. We, and here's the picture of us all together. There he is in the middle. Yeah, the good-looking guy, the guy in the middle, not me. The guy in the middle, good-looking. Yeah, he's, yeah, so exciting. And we spent the day together, and, and we had lunch, and we talked about, and I brought with me all the letters I had written him, and I had a booklet, I had a life book that I had put together, and, and I, I, well, actually, I made a copy for him, and I gave one to him, and I wanted to let him know how, how much he blessed us through this sponsorship and through these years, not just that we were caring for him and his needs, but actually it's reciprocal, just like the letters, that in fact how much we were getting blessed as a result of getting to know him and walk this journey with him all these years, all these years. Well, I'm so excited that we were able to do that and really have the time to just share uh, with Malukin, you know, and come together and really know what that was all about. You know, Compassion's mission and ministry around the world. Uh, there are many of you here that have a Malukin in your own life. You have a sponsored child and they have a story. And there are many other stories that need to take place and happen. Uh, Compassion sat down with um, some alumni, some former Compassion uh, alumni that have graduated and they went back later and they, they interviewed them on a video. And I, I want to share this two-minute video with you. If we only knew the impact of sponsorship, I just shared with you one story today about Malukin. Let's watch this story about Eric. Uh, How magical that moment was when I knew that I have a sponsor now. It changed everything, literally. My name is Eric. I'm born in a family of eight children, four boys, four girls. My father died when I was eight years. And the time my father died, it changed the whole story. The relatives from his ancestral home came and took away all the wealth. At the time, we were barely left with nothing. Life was never the same at that point. It meant uh, not having access to better health, not having access to good education. We so much wanted to be at school, but we never had an opportunity. That was all gone. An uncle who worked with Compassion as a volunteer, he got in contact with my elder sister. Uh, they worked alongside with my mom to have us registered in a Compassion program. There was this big grail of hope, Compassion coming in. When I knew that I have a sponsor now, this was a another highlight to me, like, like uh, getting a sponsor, it changed everything, literally, um, worth. Yeah, okay, yeah, send out an email, that's great. It's really good. 
Eric, Eric was just saying uh, how when he found out, he became, and that's how it works. When you sponsor a child, this is so cool. People don't talk about this. The pastoral staff in that local church, they go out into the community and they inform the individual that you're now their sponsor. And this, it begins this beautiful story of, of writing and reconciliation. It's so incredible uh, that that happens. And so Eric was just talking about that and what that means um, and the life opportunities and coming to know Christ personally and, and all of that was, was so, so uh, important to him and, and lived out in a real tangible way. And he just wanted to share it as a testimony to encourage all of you, to encourage all of you today. There's 20 more children like Eric and like Malukin that uh, are in need right now. And I, I brought 20 children with me today. And I'm just hoping that you'll consider taking home a child you didn't come with today and consider sponsoring a child for $47 a month. It's pretty simple. Just go out into the lobby, have a look at the table, uh, grab a child pack, gra grab a child profile, fill it out, uh, and leave it with us. Daniel and myself will be out there at the table. But Really, more than anything, Oak Ridge, just really want to encourage you. If you're watching online, um, there's, there's an online digital landing page that, that Andrew and uh, are going to share, and Pastor Josiah are going to share. That's on, if you're online and you're watching from home and you want to sponsor, that's the image of it right there. You can go there, and we're going to track all of this so that we can get back to you and report to you, Oak Ridge, kind of what's happening. And, and so really today, I, just, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that you know, living out the Good Samaritan... Um, Going and doing likewise is central uh, to a theme that Jesus gave us, and it's an opportunity for all of us to make a difference. And uh, let me just close in prayer as we uh, wrap up this day. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more sermons, blogs, and other resources, you can check out our website, oakridgebiblechapel.org. To listen to our weekly podcast, Word Processing, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting platform. Remember, you can always join us in person or on our live stream at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. Thanks for watching.